QMC Board and Collar Series presents Excuse My Medic, the podcast version of an MCI with Chuck Humphrey and Gary Harvat. Excuse My Medic takes a unique look at today's emergency medical service news and information with hot topics, great guests, and maybe even a few offbeat stories along the way. Get ready for opinionated discussions, lively talk, sporadic jabs, and even a few belly laughs from our world of EMS. Excuse My Medic is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting for air and ground emergency medical services. Now, hang on to the bench seat and secure your cervical collar as these gray-haired guys from EMS Past take you on a Code 3 ride with no real destination in mind. You've had the disclaimer, and if you're still brave enough to stick it out, let's get started. Take it away, guys. Well, good day, everyone. My name is Gary Harvat. I'm from the client services team at QuickMed Claims. Hey, and I'm Chuck Humphrey. I'm with the business development team over here at the Danville office at QuickMed Claims. Welcome to Excuse My Medic. It's great to be with everybody. For those of you new to our broadcast, uh, Excuse My Medic is a pod magazine, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I guess uh, that would that would label it, right? Yeah, so our plan is to discuss industry news, share some stories, and hopefully along the way, maybe even have a few laughs. Um, we'll be providing these to you on a monthly basis, and uh, I hope you'll check us out, download some of our episodes as they come available, and we're, we're truly glad you t- tuned in. So we're going to keep this more on the lines of a conversation and hope it'll be informative and, and thought-provoking to you along the way, but uh, let's get started here. So Chuck, my goodness, how have you been? How's your summer? Hey, I'm doing great. It's been a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, it's been a pride summer. So there are a total of six graduates in my family this year. And that means a lot of graduation parties. So my daughter, Alicia, earned her master's degree and graduated from Villanova in May. My nephew, Jordan, earned his bachelor's degree and has plans to be a minister. My niece, Katie, earned her bachelor's degree and already has landed a job as a kindergarten teacher. And the love of her life, Andrew, is headed to med school. So we had one big graduation party, the whole family. And then uh, coming up, uh, my niece Olivia and both my um, nephew Chris graduated from high school. So they had separate parties. And I think the last one of them is next weekend. So we have been party city in our family for sure. My goodness. Well, uh, on the same line, the Harvat family uh, doesn't have any graduations, but uh, we've got one big ball coming up. My my daughter is getting married in uh, I think the word is 15 days now. Uh, so, uh, and if you talk to my wife, the wedding is actually an hour from now. Yes. Um, oh, I went through that. <laughs> I know. So anyway, well, Chuck, uh, what do you got for us today? You got anything hot on the, on the front burner that the, that's, uh, kind of getting at your craw a little bit? Yeah. Well, I look, uh, so there's been a lot of discussion, Gary, over this, uh, surprise billing in the healthcare industry. Good so word. I we chat about that. You know, to those of us that are billers, Garrett, the, the true technical term is balance billing. But all of a sudden, it's become this surprise billing. And I got to tell you, I don't know it, it, about you, but when I go to a healthcare provider today, I'm not surprised about any bill that I receive afterwards. So it really just amazes me that people still have this perception that ambulance runs for nothing because exactly. we don't. No. I mean, I hear this once a week, Chuck. My goodness, you know, aren't my tax dollars paying for this? Why am I getting a bill? I pay my taxes. I mean, this, it's all, it is truly a daily conversation. Well, we've been our own, own worst enemy in the industry because, you know, you go back to when you and I started running. Uh, uh, you know, I remember at, at 
my ambulance at home, we sent out this $50 piece of paper. And if somebody paid it, it was great. If not, nobody cared. And so we've given the impression that it's free when, you know, as time has morphed, it really isn't free. And you and I know that. But, but you know, by way of quick explanation, you know, many EMS agencies are not participating providers with health insurances. So the larger share of us are out of network, right. uh, which means that we transport the patient, we bill insurance for the transport, the insurance either pays us as the ambulance direct or sends a check to the patient, and then we bill the patient for the amount that's the difference between what we've charged and what the insurance company has paid. And that's where the tension is picked up when the patient receives the bill and they are, quote unquote, surprised. And so what has happened is there has been such a groundswell of complaints that the various states and now the federal government is starting to get involved on as an advocate for the patient. And you know what, Gary, I understand both sides. You and I both do. You know, I sat on a board at an ambulance where I had to worry about dollars and cents and how we were going to pay for the next health care increase and the new truck we were going to buy. But by the same respect, I also understand on the patient side, you know, getting a bill for several hundred or an air ambulance situation, several thousand dollars really can cause a lot of stress. And I'm, I'm not, nothing we talk about today, I want to discount that because I'm sympathetic, but I'm also concerned about who's going to pay the bill if the money's not flowing in. And uh, instead of attacking the providers, you know, you know, we have the best air medical coverage in the world, in the United States. We do. 86.4% of us, I, I was reading up this week, live within 15 to 20 minutes of air medical from dispatch to land. So we don't really, and in the rural areas, you know, 75% of all air ambulance operations are in rural areas to cover in states where there aren't a lot of ground ambulances, where you've got mountainous terrain or, you know, so, so my concern here is, is I get it. But who's going to make up that difference? So the minute the feds get involved, you and I both know that never goes well. Never. Up comes this No Surprises Act, which is basically introduced uh, earlier this month uh, to uh, revise the Public Health Service Act. So Public Health Service Act passed in 1944, covers a lot of broad umbrella things, family planning services in 1970, National Cancer Act. 1971. HIPAA falls under that back in 96. Affordable Care Act in 2010. So it all falls under that big umbrella. And so the, the plan here was for the legislators to say, okay, we're going to put a stop to all balance billing. That was ground and air when it started. Right. Luckily, two days later, um, thanks to the American Ambulance Association, ground was removed. And that's a big plus because where grounds concerned, some of those rural services not being able to balance bill would be an absolute disaster. And plus, there are states that already regulate that. But air is still part of this. Right. So the worry is, okay, so now you're going to take out that chunk of dollars. Uh, who's going to make that up? You know, and suddenly, air services are going to disappear. And then our 15 to 20 minutes for 86% of our population is not going to be a reality. And, and that's scary. That is scary. And, and, I, and I'm trying to look at this globally, Chuck, because from my standpoint, uh, having uh, a background with an air medical program, I recognize that it's very, very costly to, to operate these 
big pieces of machinery. There's things called life-limited parts that, you know, if that engine's purring like a kitten and it comes on so many hours, that engine has to be pulled, refurbished, or replaced. Um, and, you know, that's not something they get at Walmart. These are, you know, quarter of a million dollars or, or more. They've got to be able to survive. And, you know, they can't survive on three or $4,000 for an air transport. You know, my goodness, they, sometimes they spend that much money just, just pulling pitch on the, on the aircraft, pulling out of the, uh, the helipad. So, you know, it, it, what's the answer? I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I try to look at it through, uh, be objective as possible without wearing blinders, but um, something's, something's got to give. And, and uh, I, it's, it's very concerning because you're absolutely right. I think, you know, if, if this happens, then we are going to see um, medic, air medical services disappear. Um, we're, all gonna, we're also going to see patients waiting, waiting longer um, and maybe not can't get to that trauma center or that stroke center in, in the time that they need to be there. But um, it's very concerning, and I'm anxious to see how this all plays out. Well, that's the thing. And, you know, it's not just helicopter. We no. to think of it, but it's fixed wing. You know, um, we have a client out in uh, Plain States that I know is at least four to five hours from the nearest tertiary facility. So if somebody goes in there and has a STEMI or has a trauma, you know, we're talking four to five hour one-way transport to the nearest location um, in this case, it would be Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, in order to transport that patient. So the next available resources, take them over to local airport, load them up on a fixed wing, and fly them down to the city, which cuts down a ton of hours for the ground guys, and also gets that patient to the care that they need in a fraction of the time, and especially during bad weather events. And, you know, you talk about costs. Um, it really takes 13 people to keep a 24-hour air ambulance operation going. You're yep. talking about four pilots, four nurses, four flight medics, and a mechanic, and then add to that jet fuel parts, advanced medical equipment, um, you know, $2.9 million on average to keep one air medical base going with one ship. Right. You know, that's staggering. And people don't realize that. And, and we tend to think of, you know, there's a mindset in America today that healthcare is a right, and we won't get into that political conversation because that would take us for another, you know, 50 years. But, um, but you know, the reality is that in most cases, it, this is, you know, these bills go out, but it, case by case, I know that um, in our case, in dealing with people, you know, we try to find solutions, our billers do, to help these people. What better be time pays or try to find secondary payment solutions or, you know, so there's, you know, what, what, what charges me up are some of these articles. Like I read one, eight ways the medical industry is screwing you over. Ambulance was the number one. I mean, give me a break. Um, a recent San Francisco Chronicle article, stop the gouging of patients by ambulances. I mean, that's the kind of thing that charges everybody Oh up. my goodness. And just makes us seem like we're the bad guys when all we're trying to do is make sure that we're saving lives and getting people to the proper care that they need to get to in as least amount of time as possible. And, you know, I, one article said that we're all doing walletectomies. That was the term, you know, that, that just incites people. And it, get, it paints us in such an unfair light that it's, it's hard to 
it's hard to argue against because it, it really is a, an emotionally charged subject for sure. Well, what's your gut, Chuck? You've, uh, you've read a, a lot about it. I've read a fair amount about it as well. Where do you think this is going to end up? Because this seems to be a, very much a, a hot topic when it comes to uh, the feds right now. There's been a lot of news, news about it. Uh, the media has picked up on it quite well. And, uh, you know, where do you think it's going to end up? Do you think it's just going to get watered down and not be much of anything? Or do you really think it's going to have some teeth? No, I think it's going to have teeth. I think the air part of it is going to pass. You got to remember the states have tried, the federal government has really laid off this in the past because they've left it up to states. But where air is concerned, I think there is going to be some kind of action. I think this bill will pass. Uh, how watered down it'll be by the time it gets through, um, it seems to me it looks like if it does pass, the next step will go to uh, uh, negotiate a rulemaking of some sort where there's some input, and then a final decision. I know there's been a lot of discussion uh, about some of the states that force these kind of situations into arbitration. There's been some discussion at the federal level that um, when a bill dispute comes up, that there'll be arbitrators that will then ultimately decide between the air provider and the patient. That sounds good in theory, and it has worked, I know, in California to an extent. But you and I both know that if the cases grow, then it'll become like the administrative law judge situation and they'll be bogged down for years and years until cases can get solved, until the arbitrator makes a decision. So I worry about whether or not that's going to become part of this process. But I think there's enough groundswell and enough complaints that have reached congressional ears and offices that some form of this is going to going to get through. It's just a matter of how many, how much teeth it's going to have. And then ultimately the effect that it's going to have on the back end will remain to be seen. But it, 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 you know, um, I, I hate when people paint us in a bad light. I say us because we're part of the industry. I'm not an air guy, but, but um, it really concerns me that once the government gets involved and forces anything, you know, then will the industry dig in its heels and then not negotiate with people? And then it'll have an opposite effect. Um, I, don't, I don't know, buddy. It's, it's going uh, to be interesting to see, but I think this thing's going to move along. Well, you know, I keep sitting here as, as you're talking, thinking about, you know, the, the, you know, this has become more and more of a news story and, and the public is smart. They're, you know, they're listening to the radio, they're seeing it on social media, and my concern is now there's a, a patient somewhere in some hospital whose family is now a little more attuned to this subject than they were a year or two ago. And I think it puts the family in a, in a crisis situation in a real tough spot. I think there's a lot of tough decisions to be made here. And I think um, the other thing is that, you know, you didn't mention, but, you know, we're coming up on an election year. And there's going to be, they, this is probably going to get politicized in some way. And somebody's going to stand up on their soapbox and say, you know, I got this legislation passed through and, you know, what they don't realize that it may or may not cripple, uh, cripple the industry to some degree if it's not worded correctly. And thank God the folks like the air medical industry is involved. Thank goodness the ambulance association is involved. Um, uh, just kind of worried how it's all going to pan out in the end. Yeah, you mentioned that. Uh, one of the articles I read recently, it was entitled Live, But at What Cost? And then the author quotes here, and I, I wrote this down because I thought this was telling. Then you get to be alive and bankrupt 
versus dead and financially solvent. Now, yes. I don't know about you, Gary, but I'll take a live and I'll worry about the finances later on. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it also is a stressor for providers because, you know, first of all, the first thing we're going to do is react. And then later you kind of feel bad because, you know, I've been in this situation sitting on a board of directors. You feel bad when people call you and say, hey, I, my insurance didn't cover. What can you do? Right. Um, it, it is conflicting, especially when you know people. But again, you know, what I always remind them was, hey, we'll work with you, but you're here to talk with me about it. And that's the important part. You know? right. So I'm hoping there's a balance uh, that's struck. And I hope the feds don't get too hard about this, that it becomes a situation where there's, you know, it's, it, it's, it, there's no choices and it just come, becomes rigid because we know in the past in these situations, be it Medicare or Medicaid, you know, um, deliberations, those kind of things that anytime there's a crackdown, <laughs> it, it becomes a, a mess. And so I hope they leave their hands out of it. You know, you can regulate it, but let some room. And, and I'm, I surely hope that that's the case and it doesn't become um, a mess because that would be good for anybody. Yeah. So um, for our listeners' sake, we'll stay on top of this for you and uh, hopefully bring you good news, positive news that makes it uh, more palatable for everybody in the days and weeks ahead. But uh, Chuck, can I ask if you could stay on top of us and bring us any updates uh, moving forward in future editions? Yeah, you bet. Um, we also uh, do the um, every other week blog on our website. So, um, you know, a lot of times I'll take a look at those kind of things and just put blurbs in about what's going on. Um, also, for any of the providers out there, we certainly recommend that if you're part of your state associations, the American Ambulance Association, you know, those are great groups, support their efforts. A lot of times they're the guys on the front lines legislatively lobbying for us and anything that we can do to have a conversation is, is the, in the best interest of all of us. Well, it's, well, it's great. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that to our attention today and talking about it. I think it was very enlightening. So, so thank you for that. Hey, uh, I got a couple of things in the old mailbag here. I thought I'd share with you. I've got one that's really just a, just a great story about commitment and dedication and really uh, what it's all about helping the community. And um, if you don't mind, I'd like to share it with you. Oh, lay it on me. Can't wait to hear it. All right. So this is one that comes out of Beacon Falls, Connecticut. Uh, great folks up there. I've been there many times. And uh, it's Beacon Hose Company number one. So uh, let me ask you, Chuck, like this past weekend, uh, for, the, for our listeners' sake, uh, I'm in Pittsburgh. Chuck's uh, in Danville, Pennsylvania. And, uh, but this, this past weekend, we had unbelievable heat. It was, it was like, what was it, the heat index of 110? Yep. It, I was in Florida last week, and I was, I, th I was hoping to get home, and it was worse in Pennsylvania than it was in Florida when I was there. It was horrible. Yeah, it really, really was bad. And uh, Chuck, you and I have talked about this before. Uh, we both have pools at our house, and I have not been in my pool for, for many years. I'm just not a big pool guy. And uh, I got in that darn pool this past weekend. Now, I'm not telling a lot of people that because I've got a great track record of not going in my pool. But uh, it was just unbearable hot. And uh, uh, on along those same, same lines comes this story. So this past weekend in Beacon Falls, uh, there's an 85-year-old woman living in her house and the air conditioning breaks. So uh, family calls the local heating and air conditioning folks. And of course, they're busy because everybody's air conditioning is breaking. Oh, can't, 
can't get to the to the elderly woman for a few days. In the meantime, she's not in good health. Um, you know, she's suffering with the heat as we all as we all were, and uh, families, you know, not sure what to do. So uh, somebody suggested maybe call over the fire department. I'm not sure who came up with that idea, but you know, they said call over to the fire department. So they called the fire department, which was located a few blocks from, from the woman's residence. And a, and a gentleman by the name, and I think it's a really a great idea because this guy deserves kudos. Um, one of the firefighters there by the name of Kyle Brennan answers the phone, just happens to be at the volunteer department that day, answers the phone and takes a call from the family of this 85 year old woman. And, and, uh, the That's situation. pretty impressive, actually, anyhow, that somebody was there to answer the phone at a volunteer company. Yeah? Exactly. So um, that was great that they answered. But um, so the family explains the situation, and he was like, you know, we don't have we don't have anything on our on our trucks that can help you. All. You know, we have exhaust fans that suck smoke out of the building, but that's not going to help from you know, cooling her off standpoint. And, uh, you know, I guess for whatever reason, there were some cooling shelters in town, but for whatever reason, uh, she couldn't go there. So she was really up the creek. Well, as Kyle's having this conversation with her, he's sitting in the fire department office and in the window of the office is what is a window air conditioner. (laughs) So, um, you know, he's explaining to the family on the phone, there's nothing I can do, nothing I can do. And then I guess a light bulb went off. And Kyle said, hold on. And I guess he went over the window and saw what it would take, um, loosen a few screws. So Kyle took the air conditioner out of the fire department window, drove, put it in his truck, drove down the street, installed it in the woman's bedroom. Oh and, and as a result, the woman got cooled down, had a safe day, was, was healthy and fine with it. And uh, I don't know if the air conditioner is still there or not. But talk about a, a great guy thinking outside, outside the box. Yeah, I was and, just going to uh, say outside the box for sure, you know. And, yeah. and you know, I, um, I've, I've been a volunteer. You've been a volunteer. Is that not indicative of just the kind of day-to-day things that go on that we don't even read about that no. the volunteer no. service brings to our society? Really, it's, it's amazing, uh, you know. It is. It, it truly is. And um, for this for this gentleman to, you know, I mean, it would have been easy for her to for him to say, thanks, uh, you know, but I can't help you. Uh, maybe give her a suggestion or two and um, and be done with her. But no, you know, he, he saw, well, I can take this thing out of the window with a few with a screwdriver and a couple other tools and, you know, for him to take it in their car. And I, I think that speaks volumes. You know, I say to my wife all the time, I get so tired of watching the news. It's, it's always negative things. It's always bad things happening. But there are so many great stories out there just like, just like this one. And this just made the, the local blurb, um, you know, I thought the least we can do and with our listeners is, is get it out there that other people can hear that, you know, these are, there are good stories that come out of um, all aspects of life, including the volunteer ambulance and the volunteer fire departments that, that do great things for their community, other than, you know, responding to the fire or the, you know, the carbon monoxide alarm or whatever it is. And, you know, here's a guy that literally ripped the air conditioner from yeah. the office of the fire department out of the, out of the window, drove it down the street, put it back in, installed it, turned it on and saved the day. Like, you know, idea. can he deserves a big award as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, he does. Yep. Those unsung heroes that, that are in all of our communities that we, we certainly yep. 
we don't give enough kudos to. That's, that's for sure. So listen, uh, I'm going to kind of switch gears here for just a quick second. So um, I, w- I had a friend of mine do this once before. Um, uh, didn't have a, didn't do a podcast thing, but did this actually for her classroom, and it was kind of a fun thing to do. So uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of use you as a guinea pig, Chuck. Um, oh boy! Okay. Uh, <laughs> here we go. When Gary says he's going to use anybody as a guinea pig, you're in trouble. All right. So the story is, this is going to be broaden your EMS vocabulary. So, you know, we, we, we talk about documentation and making sure your narrative's well-written and detailed. I think it's a good idea maybe once in a while to throw in a, a good flowery noun or a verb into there. And when people review it, go, I don't even know what that means. So, Chuck, I'm going to give you a word. I want you to use this word in a sentence that has an EMS flavor to it. Can you do that for me? All right. We'll give it All a right. shot. So uh, today's word is, it's a noun. It's a noun. So it's fantod, F-A-N-T-O-D. So uh, give me your best shot at that. Oh, boy. Fantod. First of all, 33 years, I've never heard of it. So that's interesting. <laughs> You got to start start subscribing to Webster's Word of the Day, Chuck. Yes, I do. I guess I do. Well, um, boy, Garrett, um, how about this? Most patients are not a fan tub of the IV needle stick in a moving ambulance. That sounds really impressive. No, no, no. Uh, it was really yeah. We we need a buzzer. Um, <laughs> we need a buzzer or a bell, huh? Yeah. So. I don't um, have a clue, buddy. So give it, lay it on me. I, it I'm, basically I'm means like an emotional outburst, like throwing a tantrum. So uh, the 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 patient um, was very agitated, and and in many cases um, had a fan totted while we were in his presence. Okay. So, so I was I wasn't too far off. It was like right church, wrong pew. Uh, I think you're a little further than that, Chuck. But if if that makes you feel good, okay, we'll, Come on, we'll give, give that me to props. you. Give me props, <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna okay next next month it's your turn it's your turn to give me one okay and All right. uh, i can hardly wait to hear how that'll work out but yeah. um, i'm i'm sure as we sign off here you're going to be leafing through the internet finding those the word that you can get me on next week but start right away yes but a for effort a for effort hey uh, before we close you got any good stories for us um, i got one if you got one yeah i, I was I was thinking about, well, we had an ambulance picnic last night. And so we were, you know, we always get together and a couple of us gray haired guys, we talk about, uh, talk about the past. And, you know, I was um, thinking about a night where in the middle of the night, we got called out to this. um, It turned out to be a DUI accident. Thankfully, nobody uh, injured. But the partner I was with at the time, I'll never forget, he had this thing about DUIs. And he just, I'll never forget. He just started laying into this person like, you called me out for this. And this is avoidable. You could have killed yourself. And now there's somebody having a heart attack. And I'm out here picking up your sorry butt in my ambulance. And you're, I, I just looked at him afterwards. I said, dude, you can't do that. He goes, I can do whatever I want at 3 a.m. <laughs> recalling that i was like i remember that i don't know if that was i wouldn't certainly teach that to any probationary members but it seemed to fit in the moment at 3 a.m on a 3 a.m sure sure all right i got one for you this comes out of florida this is a i when i read this 
Uh, this was funny. And by the way, folks, if you have uh, a, a great story, and we call them in this business, of course, war stories. If you have a great story, give us an E, drop us the note uh, with some information at client services at quickmedclaims.com. And uh, we'll take a look at it and maybe put it on the air for one of our future episodes. But this one comes out of Florida. So uh, strange as it may be, there's a gentleman working, maybe gentleman's probably not the right word. There's a, there's a, a guy working on his motorcycle inside his house, I guess in the living area of his house, not the garage now, a living area of the house. And it's on one of these platforms that holds the bike stable and that you can start the engine. Well, he started the engine in the house and revs it up. And lo and behold, what happens? This thing comes off the platform and then goes crashing through the glass screen door, causing glass and door fragments to fly everywhere, injuring the guy who was, of course, sitting on the bike. So, of course, the wife calls 911 and the medics arrive on scene. And, of course, he's got glass fragments, you know, everywhere. Nothing serious, but he's got some glass injuries. Um, so, you know, the guy goes to the hospital and I guess they're stitching him up and putting him back together again. And the wife's still at home. She's cleaning up after the accident, and uh, I guess there was oily towels, which for whatever reason, and again, this comes off as, like, what were you thinking here? Uh, takes the oily towels and throws them in the toilet. Okay, uh, I, I don't know. So she throws, throws them in the toilet, and lo and behold, a short time later, husband comes home, and he has to use the facility with his arm all stitched up and glass fragments everywhere. So he sits down, I guess his first time to sit and relax since the incident, and he decides while he's sitting there on the toilet, he's going to have a cigarette. Okay, are you, are you, are you, am I painting a good picture for you? Well, yes, yes. So... So, of course, you know, I guess he was on the, the pot for an extended period of time and he finished the cigarette and threw the butt in the toilet. The oily rags were still in there and they flared up. So <laughs> now he's burnt. We don't need to be descriptive about where those burns are. Um, so they called 911 again. The same medics show up to treat him. You know, of course, they're probably going, what are we doing here? Um, and so they're taking him out of the second floor bathroom. And as they're carrying him down the stairs, you know, this, I, it's hard for me to imagine this, but they're carrying him down the stairs. They're, he's relating to them what happened, which then causes the medics at each end of the stretcher bringing him down the stairs to laugh. They dump him. Oh, no. <laughs> they dump oh. him, take him to the hospital for not only the burns, but also an injured arm. So, I mean, this guy was destined, for, uh, you know, as, as we sometimes say, you know, oh, the old wow. L syndrome on the forehead. Though. Um, but I, I was laughing so hard when I read that. And I thought, my goodness, what a, what a comedy of, uh, of things gone wrong. So, All I was thinking about was the double and tender about having gas <laughs> and going to the bathroom. You know, like that yeah, no, that wasn't it at all. So I, I – uh, I found such humor in that. And again, if you do have any stories, by all means, uh, feel free to let us know. So Chuck, uh, do you have anything else for the good of the order today? Because we're about ready to sign off here. Hey, no. Uh, so I think it was a great discussion, um, you know, and uh, let's just, uh, we'll keep track of it for folks and uh, um, hopefully um, they'll figure out a way forward and patients and ambulances are all happy about billing and of course, we at QMC want to bridge that gap. And so uh, for our clients and 
for those of you out there who are thinking about being our clients, you know, these are the kind of things that Gary and I lay awake at night and think about. Um, but, but, you know, we, we joke a lot and we have some light and I've enjoyed this time, but the serious part of it is that it's, it's just a true honor to serve in this industry, uh, the number of years we have and, uh, interact with our clients and always looking for solutions and ways that we can enlighten and be part of the conversation. And I, I look forward to that, uh, in the future times. Well, Chuck, I echo your sentiments because specifically for me, my days of moving people up and down downstairs um, uh, have passed. I know you still stay active. God bless you for that. Um, but I am no longer. But for me, you know, EMS is part of my fiber. It's what I grew up with in the 70s up till now. And so for me, helping those those ambulance services, clients and non-clients out there understand, especially when it comes to reimbursement, is something that really fulfills me. Uh, you know, I can't do the patient care anymore, but you know, I can help them in other ways and hopefully stay afloat. So um, again, thank you, Chuck. Um, and thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, I would encourage you to please uh, follow us on the QMC board and caller. We have keynote presentations. We have uh, this edition of Excuse My Medic, as well as other ones that will be forthcoming on a monthly basis. You can find us in the, the iTunes store or Google Play and not other different podcast sites. So feel free to follow us, download as you need, and uh, we'd love to have you in. So thanks, everyone. Um, so at this point, let's, uh, let's drop the tones and grab our gear. Chuck and Gare, we're out of here.